I'm Carson Horn, and it's Wednesday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. As the saying goes, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, I certainly hope that is the case for this Auburn basketball team. They fell 83-78 to last night on the road in College Station to Texas A&M. That is their fourth loss in the last five games. We're going to break that game down. We're going to break down the other game that took place this, uh, since we were last on air, the game against Tennessee. We're going to preview the first edition this season of the Iron Bowl on the hardwood. We're going to look at recruiting in football and basketball. And then we'll break down the hot topic of the week, which is Kevin Steele returning to Alabama to be their defensive coordinator. It's going to be all that and more. I'm very much looking forward to this show. It's going to be a tough one here to start, and then we'll get into some more positive as we roll along. But again, you're listening to Talkin' Tumors here on Weagle 91.1. Thank you all for tuning in either this morning live or on podcast if you're listening later. Either way, we very much appreciate it. So let's start out with this Texas A&M game last night. I'm still trying to recover from this game. It hurt me. And I, I usually, you know, all, all the games I want Auburn to win, I get invested in. But, man, this one just had a different feel. I felt for those players. They are playing their tails off right now. And it's a gauntlet. We've talked about it. This is a brutal stretch for this team. And right now it hasn't gone well. We knew this was going to be a possibility. But, man, they have played so hard. They've given it everything they've had, and they've come up just short. Uh, they've lost by... I think I saw combined 14 points uh, in these games, these quad one opportunities on the road when you're talking about the West Virginia game, uh, the Tennessee game, the Texas A&M game. Uh, it's brutal. Man, it's just brutal how close they've come. And again, the final score ended up being five in this A&M game. That, that doesn't tell the story of really it was a one-possession game, came down to the end. Auburn had an opportunity to win, and this one had an opportunity at Tennessee. We'll talk about that later on, but... This A&M game, I really thought Auburn played well, minus the two two categories, fouls and free throws, and it, everybody knows it. If you watch the game at all, you know that was the difference. Auburn shot 46.9, almost 47% there from the field. That that was better than A&M. They made nine threes, shot 37.5% from three. That's very good for this team. Three more threes than A&M made. Uh, they lost rebounding battle, but only by four, uh, had more assists had more steals, had less turnovers um, on the offensive end, but they had 27 fouls compared to A&M's 17. A&M shot 39 free throws, 39 free throws, made 31, compared to Auburn who shot 14 free throws and made 9. If you remember going back to the scout I did on A&M before the first time these two teams plays, played, I mentioned A&M was very good at getting to the line, one of the best in the country because of their guards. Well, they did that. They got to the line. That was the difference in the game. When you get 31 points uh, from the free throw line, it's going to be tough for, for you to lose if you have any type of offense going. Look, we can sit here. We can debate. There's been some tough officiating going back to the Tennessee game. Uh, there was tough officiating last night. We can go back and debate that. But at the end of the day, this Auburn team's also known for fouling. That's the way they play. They play aggressive. And as a result, you're going to have these type of games, especially on the road where it may be a quick whistle. Really, for the first five minutes of this game, I remember looking up, I was like, man, there's hardly any fouls at all. It was um, 
there wasn't much going on. But when things started to get chippy out there, and you saw the technical that Alan Flanagan uh, got, you saw that uh, Wendell Green and one, I forget, maybe it was Julius Marble, can't remember exactly who it was for A&M, kind of got into it there. When those sort of things started to happen, really the referees got a lot more whistle-happy there, uh, started to clamp down on, on fouls. And from then on, it was a very frustrating game to watch because of the amount of whistles. And I'm not saying that they weren't all fouls. It just it really goes, though, on what the referees want to let go and what they want to call. And it really hurt Auburn that Janai Broom got in foul trouble. Uh, that forced him to be less aggressive defensively. It did take him off the court for a good while there in the second half. And that led to Joyce Marble for A&M having a career night um, with, I believe, over... Uh, 20 points in the game, and uh, yeah, exactly 20 points in the game for him uh, down in the paint, something that Auburn has really, Janai Broom, give him credit, has defended interior uh, post players very well for most of the season. Julius Marble had a big night last night. Auburn uh, really played Radford a lot better, really did not let him get going much at all. Wade Taylor did have a big game for A&M. He hit four out of their six threes. Uh, he had 22 points, added 22 points as well, um, went 8 for 9 from the free throw line. Again, that's what it comes down to. I just hurt for this team because of what they went through at Tennessee and because of West Virginia and, and because you're so close. You are so close. And if I'm Bruce Pearl, I'm sure this is what if he's preaching to him because we've seen it in the past. I think he's preaching, look, you're going to be rewarded for this at some point, for these battles. Eventually, you're going to come out on top. You know, in sports and basketball and any in anything, every little thing matters. Every little thing matters. A you know, a break here, a break there, and, and it changes the game. A shot goes in here, a shot goes out here, a turnover here, uh, an uh, offensive rebound, and and especially when in games where you're playing competition that's about equal to you, and um, the the little things have just not completely broken Auburn's way. Uh, here in these last three games on the road, uh, like they needed to to pull out uh, victories. It's hard. It is hard to win on the road in any sport, and especially in college basketball, especially in the SEC. And Auburn's come up just short. But getting back to my point, I believe that Bruce Pearl preaching this team is going to pay off, whether that's in the SEC tournament, whether that's in the NCAA tournament. Hey, that could even be this Saturday against Alabama. And that's what I'm preaching. This is going to pay off. These these moments that where we have not been able to find a way to pull out the victory in the last few seconds of the game, like at West Virginia, like at Tennessee, like at A&M, eventually we're going to figure it out. And all these fails are going to lead to a big success at some point. I believe that's going to be true. I think this team's going to be better for it. It's hard to get over the missed opportunities, and it's going to be hard for Bruce Pearl to swallow that. It's making your margin for error thinner as far as just getting into the tournament, but it also is hurting you as far as seeding goes in the tournament. You had ample opportunities to get three opportunities where you came so close to getting quad one wins that would solidify yourself in the tournament, but also get you a higher seed in the tournament where you're right now sitting at eight. Auburn hasn't lost anything as far as tournament seeding goes. They're a firm eight. If they lose to Bama, that's not going to change. They're going to stay at that eight to nine line. But with a couple of wins, if you had just gotten one, maybe you bump up to seven. Maybe you bump up to six and have a chance to get up to maybe even a five seed eventually. Unfortunately, so far Auburn has not been able to take advantage of those opportunities. And I know that's eating at Bruce Pearl, 
But can this team be better for it? I believe they can. That's the way they've got to look at it uh, if, if you're Auburn. And you've still got opportunities out there. You've still got a quad one opportunity at Kentucky. You've still got a quad one opportunity this Saturday against Alabama. You've still got a quad one opportunity at home against Tennessee to close out the season and possibly some more quad one opportunities in the SEC tournament. But that's where you are. So with that, we'll leave the A&M game. And let's look back real quickly at the Tennessee game and what happened there. A completely different game. This was a fairly high-scoring game uh, for this Auburn team to be playing close to the 80s. Whereas the Tennessee game, the final score was 46-43. to Both teams played outstanding defensively. So let's just state that first. You can say that and also say that both teams shot poorly. But you have to give credit to the defenses for forcing some of that. Auburn's guards played outstanding. They made life miserable for Sakai Ziegler and Santiago Vescovi. Credit to Zepp Jasper. Credit to Katie Johnson. Credit to Wendell Green. Credit to Alan Flanagan. Those guys played outstanding uh, on the defensive end. And offensively, to start the game, it, it things looked good. They were flowing well. We were able to get it to the paint. We were able to get some baskets there. And then really we struggled to get a lot of good looks the rest of the kind of the first half there. It was a battle. In the second half, though, I honestly thought this team got a lot of good looks. A lot of really good looks. Yes, a lot of them were threes. And that's not necessarily where Auburn wants to live. They want to live in the paint. But even even inside, they got a lot of good looks. And I, I can't imagine, and you saw some last night, how many balls went in and rolled out. It was just a tough night. And, and Tennessee can look back and they can argue – you know, some similar uh, things happened for them. But, man, it was tough uh, to to not see that ball go in the basket when you had the amount of good looks uh, that Auburn had. And, again, they played so hard, just like they did against A&M. And, and, I, and I know, it's like, well, everybody's playing hard, and I get that. But as, as a fan, from a fan's perspective, you feel. You feel for guys, and being an athlete, uh, you know that nothing's going to be given to you, but you feel like almost that you deserve, with the effort and the way you're playing, you deserve to get the win. Um, Auburn just came up just short uh, in the in that game uh, against Tennessee. Wendell Green had the opportunity to shoot the three and uh, to tie it there uh, at the end after getting the turnover on the inbounds. Uh, he got the shot up. It was no good. Uh, it should have been a foul. There's no doubt about that. I know Auburn fans were, were quite livid about that, and justifiably it was a terrible no call. Um, when he made all three three throws, who knows? Um, but Auburn had opportunities to make shots that would have given them that win. So that was another missed opportunity, and that game hurt Bruce Pearl. Of course, you know the history uh, of Bruce and his time at Tennessee. But there was positive that came out of that game. Auburn did move up in Kim Palm, which is one of the ranking systems uh, for um, NCAA tournament and as far as getting into the tournament. And Auburn's going to have no chance to play Tennessee. Like I just mentioned, at the end of the season, they will host Tennessee for the final regu- uh, regular season game, and we'll see what Auburn uh, can do in that one. But before we go to break, just talking about Wendell Green for a second, because I thought he played an outstanding game. He did play an outstanding game last night against Texas A&M. He made some circus shots. He he was able to get to the basket and make some clutch shots. But when I went to look at message boards this morning... I was stunned, uh, quite frankly. And look, message boards are, everybody knows, they're, they're mostly negative. You're not going to see a ton of positive on message boards. But, but to see people hating on Wendell Green after last night's performance, I was like, you got to be kidding me. 
he played out of his mind. He did everything he could for this team to win. I understand the frustration uh, of the end-of-game situations. He has shot the last shot in the last three games in West Virginia and Tennessee and Texas A&M. He hasn't made any of them. I get that. I get the frustration. But I think that frustration uh, should be more geared towards let's draw something up better. Let's get some better looks. And that's been a a critique of Bruce Pearl for a while, even going back to last season, that Auburn hasn't done well. And Bruce has owned that, that Auburn has not done well in late uh, game situations when trying to get a good shot to end the game. And that's fair. That is fair criticism. But to criticize Wendell Green for doing everything he can to win uh, this game for Auburn, these last three games for Auburn, it, it it blows my mind because Auburn wouldn't be in the position they are in without him and the way he has played this season. It, it is mind-numbing to me, the criticism. So I just wanted to defend him. He doesn't need me to do this. But he has played very well, and he deserves a lot more respect and praise than he is getting. So it just frustrated me to see that because of the type of player uh, that he is. And last night, he got the ball to... I'm sure Auburn was trying to get the ball to um, Wendell to shoot that last shot, and he eventually did. But he was double-teamed. Jalen Williams open. Jalen Williams passed on the three. There's no reason for Jalen Williams to do that. He's got to have more confidence in himself. Yes, Wendell was probably your number one option, and I get that. But if you've got an open three, and Jalen shot the ball well last night, you got to shoot it, Jalen. got to shoot it there. Instead, he passed it back to Wendell. Wendell had more time, I think, than he might have thought there and didn't necessarily have to go ahead and shoot that. But he shot, in, uh, and when he was double-teamed, uh, he airballed it, and that was that. Um, but just not fair criticism, in my opinion, uh, of Wendell Green Jr. and the player that he is and the player he has been for th- this season for Auburn. And he, every night, he seems to go out and prove uh, doubters wrong again and again. And I think he'll continue to do that. It doesn't mean he's not going to have bad games. Everybody has them. But he overall has been one of the best guards in the SEC this season and is a big reason why Auburn's even in the spot they're in right now. With that, we'll wrap up that that segment. We will preview the Alabama game coming up in segment three. But next, we're going to talk about recruiting, both in basketball and football, in the week that was last week for Auburn. So stay tuned here. Welcome back to Talking Tumors now here on Weagle 91.1. So Auburn had a big week and an exciting week last week in recruiting in both basketball and football for the classes of both 2024 and 2025. So let's kind of recap the week. So it started on Wednesday. He started out with five-star point guard, according to 24-7 Sports, to Hod Pettiford out of New Jersey, uh, committed to Auburn. He's in the class of 2024. And then you also had Malik Altry, a 2025 D lineman for football out of Opelika, not currently rated but had a lot of big-time offers. Uh, he is a very big kid, around 6'5". Um, he is currently a sophomore. And he will more than likely, once they get him ranked, will probably be a four-star, uh, very talented player, of course, in the backyard here at Auburn, uh, being from Opelika. So big get. To, that, that was the first commit of this 2025 class. I talked about this 2025 class being the first class that Hugh Freeze 
will not be behind on. And so it's big to go ahead and, and get a get a start here, get that first commit in there. Being a local kid never hurts. And then let's try to get the ball rolling with some, some more as you get through the spring and the summer possibly in that class of 2025. But good start here. So that was a big pickup. He was a, a guy that uh, there was some talk that he might commit last Wednesday on the show. I mentioned to keep an eye out for and then also on Wednesday, you have four-star defensive back Jaden Lewis for the class of 2024 out of Aniston committed. That was a big get. Auburn had been working on him with the last staff and this staff. He really is big on – he frees, likes him a lot. Of course, great relationship with Zach Etheridge, who is uh, big in pretty much every recruit that Auburn has. He's involved in but especially with the defensive backs. Uh, so big get here for for Auburn, a top 15 player in the state of Alabama, a top 20 defensive back in the entire class of 2024. He goes ahead and commits. And then we jump to Friday. So you got three commits on Wednesday. You jump to Friday, and Auburn gets a commit from four-star point guard slash combo guard uh, out of Alabama, number one player in the state, LeBaron Phylon, uh, committed, over, uh, committed to Auburn over Alabama and others, and then possibly the cherry on top, depending on how you look at it, who you think is the biggest commit of the week. The day finish and the week finish with four-star top 15 quarterback out of Little Rock, Arkansas, Walker White, committed to Auburn. A little bit of a surprise. Originally kind of thought probably summertime commitment for him, but he went ahead and jumped in the boat, and he is a huge get. For Auburn, I'm, I want to go back and I want to discuss the basketball, but I want to talk about football first, and I want to talk about what this win means for Auburn in recruiting. Auburn not only got a great quarterback in Walker White, someone who already looks the part that looks like he could be a starter, at least from build pers- uh, perspective, day one the SEC. Al- Auburn got a win over Clemson. This was Clemson's number one quarterback target. And he was coming off a visit to Clemson the weekend before this past week. So a weekend ago, he visited Clemson, and then the last week he committed to Auburn. That was huge, huge to Auburn for Auburn to get him in the boat. When he left his visit with Auburn a couple weekends ago, Auburn seemed to be the leader. He really hit it off with Hugh Freeze. Uh, he talked about the the relationship of uh, Walker White's a man of faith. Hugh Freeze is a man of faith. He talked about Hugh Freeze's redemption story and how he connected with that. And so you could really feel the bond. He also talked about feeling like Auburn was the school that could best develop him. Between Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery and Ken Austin, that trio right there he felt was going to be a, a dynamic um coaching staff that can really develop quarterbacks and that can get him to the next level. Those two things were really why he had Auburn at number one. But then he went to Clemson, and Clemson historically has gotten who they wanted for the most part. We know that. They're like Alabama. They're like Georgia. They they get typically the top recruits. They got the top quarterback out of the state last year, and Christopher uh, um, Vizina from uh, Briarwood, who went to uh, Clemson, was Auburn's top quarterback target. Auburn really was not even, didn't really even stand a chance there. I mean, Clemson came in, got him, and uh, he, he's there now. Um, so, historically, what I'm trying to say here is Clemson has beaten Auburn in the past. In the past, really, I, I don't know if i go as far as a decade, but in the past five, seven years, uh, Clemson been able to, Auburn has not won many battles, if any, with Clemson. 
So the fact that Auburn was able to beat Clemson for their number one quarterback target, and Auburn got their number one guy, is huge. It is huge from a perception standpoint. It's huge from a talent standpoint. And it is big for Hugh Freeze to say, here, look, I'm playing with the big guys. I mentioned this on signing day. I mentioned this when you were able to flip uh, Kay and Lee from Ohio State. Uh, I've talked about it being close from flipping guys from Alabama and what that means. Just straight up beating out uh, a place like Clemson for for a recruit is huge. And if he can do this for a couple other recruits uh, like Alabama and like Georgia, that's going to be a big deal as well. It's changing the perception of what Auburn is. At one time, this wasn't what you talked about. Auburn, of course, was a better school than Clemson. Give credit to Dabo Sweeney for changing that, for making Clemson a powerhouse, for being a great recruiter. And you can see why Walker White came down to Auburn and Clemson. I mentioned the faith being an important aspect to him. Of course, Dabo Sweeney is also a a man of faith, as he proclaims. And and so it it makes sense that it came down to Auburn and Clemson here and Walker White talked about it. I mean, he really, I mean, really considered committing to Clemson. And a lot, there are multiple crystal ball projections for him to choose Clemson. Clemson folks had a good feeling after he left the trip that he was going to commit to Clemson. They re- they really felt that. And he mentioned that Clemson said they were, you know, made him the number one priority. Uh, you know, Clemson just hired Kendall Bryles from TCU. Uh, excuse me, not Kendall Bryles, Garrett Riley from TCU who is their, uh, Kendall Bryles went to TCU to, from Arkansas. Um, but Garrett Riley, he also had recruited uh, Walker White when he was at TCU, so they had the relationship there. And he got Clemson and said, yes, this is who I want. Nonetheless, Auburn won out here, and I just can't overstate the importance of that win. And then he, in his commitment, listed about 15 guys that he said, I'm, I'm going after, I'm recruiting. And and it's hard to overstate the importance as well of getting a quarterback in a class early because they are just like they're a leader on the field. They're a, they're a leader in recruiting other players to come join them, and it's enticing, especially to offensive players, to receivers, to tight ends, to running backs, even offensive linemen, to be in a class with a really talented quarterback. It is. It's very important to those guys. I'm not saying it's the most important thing. But it certainly is helpful to have your quarterback early. That way they can get after it on the recruiting trail. And that seems to be exactly what Walker White is doing when he listed about 15 names out there. Uh, so we'll see. I'm sure Auburn had a, had a say in what names that he was going to call out there uh, to recruit. So we'll see. A big, big win. And to get him in the fold early, great job by Hugh Freeze and company here uh, for Walker White. Shifting to basketball, I mentioned to Todd Pettiford. This was a huge get, a very talented point guard out of New Jersey. Um, of course, Auburn has has recruited nationally now in basketball, and, and that's something uh, that's quite remarkable when you think about Auburn basketball as a whole and its history to, to get to the point that Auburn's able to recruit nationally and be a brand that can do that. Uh, you got to tip your hat to Bruce Pearl, just a remarkable accomplishment. But is it, this isn't the first guy Auburn's gotten from a national level, and it won't be the last but Todd Pettiford, he's another smaller guard, about 5'11". He's a lefty, uh, very, very good distributor, does need to improve his shooting. Again, he's not in this class, won't be on next year's team. He is in the class of 2024. And Auburn was trying to bring in a powerhouse class. And right now, they're about number two or number three overall in recruiting rankings for the class of 2024. They had to go just one person in this 2023 class, and that's Aiden Holloway. 
The reason being because of the amount of guys returning uh, next year for Auburn that still have eligibility left. They really could not take a big class. So they're doing so in 2024 with three guys is a pretty large class in basketball. They might possibly take a fourth, but right now they've got Pettiford. They've got Peyton Marshall, the big seven-foot uh, center, and um, they've got LeBaron, Phylon. That's three guys. Again, if they can get a, a fourth, that is a high-level player. There's a couple guys out there. They're going to be very selective as far as if they take a fourth guy in this class of 2024 or not. But this was huge to get your number one point guard target, to get your your number one combo guard, guard target and, and LeBaron Phylon. And Auburn has recruited, I just mentioned nationally, they've recruited Georgia very well. But really, since Jangel Purifoy, Auburn has not recruited the state of Alabama. Some of that's by choice. Some years, quite frankly, you, you don't want to recruit the state of Alabama. There's not an, a talented enough player in the state, uh, in, in Bruce Pearl's opinion, to come and play at Auburn. That's just the, the fact of the matter some years. But this year, that wasn't the case. They identified LeBaron Phylon. Again, I mentioned Alabama wanted him. He had offers from a lot of the Blue, Blue Bloods as well. And Auburn said, look, we're, we're going to get our hands dirty here in the state of Alabama. We're going to go and beat Nate Oates up in Tuscaloosa for a player from Alabama. And they did that. And that was big from a, just from a perception standpoint. Like I said, Auburn hasn't gone after a lot of guys in the state. Um, but they did this year, and they won. That's really the first victory they've had uh, over Alabama for a player from the state. So that was another, just from a perception standpoint, a big win uh, in, in recruiting as a, uh, for for Auburn in basketball. So I, I like that. I like what uh, Tahad Pettiford and uh, LeBaron Phylon are going to bring to this team in 2024. Uh, Phylon, again, he's a combo guard. He's about 6'4". He'll probably play the two, considering you're going to have Aiden Holloway that's probably not going to be a one-and-done guy. That'll probably be back in 2024. Still probably going to have Trey Donaldson, and you're going to have Pettiford. So my guess is Phylon will play the two, but he could uh, play the one as well. He's played off-ball and on-ball in high school. Just a phenomenal player uh, there uh, in the state of Alabama. Uh, averages around 40 points per game. Uh, completely unstoppable. So what's next for recruiting? Like I just mentioned, for basketball, Auburn's going to be very selective on whether or not they take another player. If someone really stands out that they can go and get, that's a, that's a guy who can be an immediate contributor, possible one-and-done, they will. Um, but if not, they're going to hold hold uh, hold steady there and just probably after next season uh, go get someone else out of the transfer portal. As for football, like I said, the list that Walker White uh, mentioned, that, that I would say is probably Auburn's top targets. That was just offensive guys. That was Auburn's top targets offensively. There's some guys who I think are close. Uh, Burnett, the running back out of Andalusia, I think he could be close to committing to Auburn. Four-star back, and I believe the number one running back in the state of Alabama for the class of 2024. I really do think he's uh, close. There's a couple other targets out there that Auburn is working on. I think, though, it's hard to get commits because it is the dead period. Really, where you're going to see things pick up is when the dead period ends. Spring practice starts. You're talking the end of this month, I believe. And then you can really start to see things pick up in March and in April uh, with commits start coming in. And I'd look for Auburn sometime probably after the spring game in April to be closer pushing uh, to double-digit commits. So I think things will be quiet for a while here for Auburn recruiting, but you never know. Besides Burnett, I think he could be close. 
but I could say that right now as far as it being quiet, and then all of a sudden Auburn gets multiple commits. And we'll see what happens there. But with that, that'll close us out for this recruiting segment. When we get back, we're going to dive into the preview of this Alabama game on Saturday. So stay tuned here to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Adopt U.S. Kids presents BA. Welcome back. Now as we look ahead to what is going to be a wild weekend on the plains starting Friday night. Auburn has a big gymnastics meet against LSU on Friday. And then Saturday morning, things get started with college game day. It's going to be in Auburn in Neville Arena at 10 o'clock. And then the game is at 1. I have no doubt that students will be camping out after the gymnastics meet on Friday night uh, for the, the game on Saturday. Auburn is allowing everyone, even those with tickets, could, to come in for college game day if you want. Starting at, I think the doors are going to open at 9 o'clock. Game day is at 10. But once you're in, you're in for the day. So if you come into the arena at 9, you're probably going to be there till 3, 3.30-ish whenever uh, the game ends. So it's going to be a long day in Neville Arena. Uh, Auburn concessions should make a lot of money if people do come on in at 9 o'clock on, on Saturday morning. Uh, nonetheless, it's going to be an exciting weekend. Certainly, Auburn fans hope for a memorable weekend, which will mean pulling off the upset against the Crimson Tide on Saturday uh, at home. I will be covering the game, so luckily I will not have to camp out uh, to get in. Uh, but I'm very much looking forward to College Game Day being here. That's the third year in a row, not counting the COVID year, that College Game Day has been uh, to to an Auburn basketball game. Uh, just a, another remarkable accomplishment of what Bruce Pearl has uh, has done here. And it's a testament to the Auburn students and the environment that, well, including myself now, that we're able to create in the jungle, uh, one of the best home court advantages in the country. And it's going to need to be loud and going to need to be a factor on Saturday to give this team every chance and help them in any way that they can because this is a very good Alabama team. Alabama's 20-3, and 10-0. This is a team that can win the national title. They are, I hate to say it, but they are. They are very, very good. But I can add this caveat in there. Auburn was also a team that could have won the national title last year and got beat out in the round of 32. Anything can happen in the NCAA tournament. But nonetheless, this team is very well built with size, with athleticism, with shooting. Uh, they're well built defensively. Uh, all around, just a really good team. And they play a lot of guys. In the past, Nate Oates had not always done this. But this year, he has a talented enough roster to be able to play multiple guys. They rotate a lot. Uh, Sears, the point guard, and Brandon Miller are the only two guys on Alabama's roster averaging over 30 minutes a game. They just got Namari uh, Burnett back. He had been out uh, for a lot of the season. He's played the last couple of games and really has seemed to uh, get back to himself, shooting the ball well, becoming another scoring threat to add to this Alabama team. Uh, of course, like always, pretty much everyone on this team is a threat from three, minus maybe Charles Bediaco. They, you, you can't leave anyone open for this team, quite frankly. Always got to ha- have a hand in their face. But what makes this Alabama team different from past years, if they're, yes, Brandon Miller, and we'll talk about him in a second, but they're also a much better defensive team. They rank in the top five in a lot of defensive uh, statistical categories. They're second overall in opponent effective field goal percentage. Who's number one? Tennessee. They're number two in opponent two-point per, uh, shooting percentage. 
I believe Tennessee may be number one in that. They're number three in opponent shooting percentage as whole. Um, they they turn you over defensively as well. A caveat is for them, they will also turn the ball over a lot. Um, that is one weakness that this team does have um, because of the way they play. They will turn it over, but they're going to turn you over as well. They're number one in total rebounds a game. Um, they get a lot of second-chance opportunities. Uh, part of that is because when you shoot threes, that's going to make for long rebounds. And Bama obviously shoots a lot of threes. And when you shoot a lot of threes, boxing out can get more difficult. And it opens up opportunities for second-chance points. Um, so just a phenomenal team. And we haven't even talked about Brandon Miller yet, who is arguably one of the, if not the best player in college basketball uh, this season. Uh, he can shoot it. He can score it. Uh, he can handle the ball. Uh, it's going to be a, a top five, a lottery pick in the NBA draft this upcoming season. Uh, this team's not going to be easy to uh, to beat, but they have been, and they got throttled by Oklahoma in the Big 12 Challenge. I certainly see that more as an outlier than a trend, and I'm not sure it's something that Auburn can necessarily copy. I thought Oklahoma shot extremely well. Also, Oklahoma, I forget the name, one of their guards just went off in that game, and he was able to score at will. Personally, I'm not sure Auburn has a guard who can do that. Uh, because I And I've talked about Wendell Green earlier, and I praise him. The way this guard is playing is a different. He's a bigger guard. He played differently than how Wendell Green is. He's a completely different player. Uh, he he was able to drive, get to the basket, fade away shots. He, I just don't see Auburn having a player who can emulate what the Oklahoma guard did in that game against Alabama. What Auburn can certainly hope for is that Alabama shoots poorly in that game uh, against Auburn like they did in that Oklahoma game. Uh, that's going to be key. Um, but Oklahoma played, just played a phenomenal game that night uh, against Alabama. I, I don't think that any team they do beat Alabama again will beat them by that margin. Uh, that was just a, certainly an, an outlier for this Alabama team. But Auburn can pull off the upset. They can. How are they going to do it? Well, it's not going to be easy. It starts on the defensive end, though. Like everything with this team, it starts with this team defending at a high level. Absolutely have to play lights out defensively. Not letting Alabama's guards drive, especially Sears. If Sears is able to get to the basket to drive and get the defense to collapse, and then he's able to dish it out, that's where this offense lives and breathes. It's all about, let's get it to the paint. If we can get to the basket for an easy layup, do it. If not, let's dish it out. Let's look for the open three. Ball of movement, driving, and dishing. That is this Alabama team. That is Nate Oates' offense. He wants an easy two or he wants a three. He doesn't want jump shots. He he wants to get to the basket and he wants three-pointers. If Auburn's guards can stay in front of Sears and other Alabama guards, that, like I mentioned, Namari uh, Burnett uh, as well uh, being one of them, uh, if Auburn can stay in front of Bama's guards, then they have a chance to slow down this offense. But that's going to be crucial. If they have to help, if they get beat, if Wendor or Zepp or KD or whoever's on these Bama guards, uh, Jaden Bradley uh, as well for Alabama, if Auburn gets beat on these drives, and that's going to create issues, and it's, and it's going to be a long night, quite frankly, because that's going to open up all of Alabama's offense. But stay in front of them, don't have to get help, force Alabama to take tougher looks. 
they may they may knock them down. They do tip your hat to them. If they knock down threes with when you've got a hand in their face, then good for them. You're just gonna have to say, well, we hope that you don't make a ton of those tonight. But don't give them the easy looks. And and the easy looks will come if Auburn's guards cannot play at a high level. If they played like they did against Tennessee, Auburn can win this game. And defensively, got to obviously play better offensively. But Auburn's guards were able to shut down Vescovy. They were able to shut down Ziegler. They can do that again. That's going to be a recipe for success against Bama on Saturday. If they played like they played against Texas A&M the first time, or the guards were being able to score at will and get to the basket, it's going to be a long night. Because Alabama also shoots better than than A&M does typically. So it, it could get ugly in that way. But Alabama has another piece that you have to worry about. That's Brandon Miller. So you could de- defend the guards really well, but sometimes, as you know, with Brandon Miller, it's just get in the ball and let him go to work. My assumption is Alan Flanagan's going to draw this matchup. I believe now Brandon Miller's about six eight. Flanagan's about six six. I, I don't think the size would be too big of an issue there. I, I believe that Flan will draw the matchup. That's that's my assumption. I'm going to say this. I don't care if Alan Flanagan has zero points in this game, if he's able to hold Brandon Miller to less than 15 points. If he's able to hold Brandon Miller to around 10, 12 points, then I don't care if Alan Flanagan does nothing on the offensive end. Now, I know that I probably wouldn't say that during the game, but that's how big I think this matchup is for Auburn. You have got to take away Brandon Miller to the best of your ability. Teams have done it for halves. Teams have not been able to do it for the most part for a whole game. And if Auburn can take him away, they've got a good chance. They, they've got a good chance. It all starts on the defensive end in this game. It, it truly does. Auburn has got to slow down this man offense. They can be slowed down. Not going to be easy, but it can be done. It's been done, like I said, at times. Teams have struggled to do it for a whole game. In my opinion, everything starts with the with the guards, though, for for Auburn and how they're able to defend against Bama's guards. I didn't even mention Javon Quinterly when I was talking about guards who can get to the basket. He's one of the best in the SEC at doing that uh, as well this year. He's still there. Certainly not one of my favorite players out there uh, for Al- for Alabama. Not that I'm a huge fan of any of them, but he's still there. That's gonna be crucial as far as offense goes. Auburn's got to work it to the paint. Got to got to play their strengths. Alabama's going to watch this film of Wendell Green this whole season. They're going to watch the A and M game. They're going to know everything runs through him. They're going to try to take him away. They're going to try to take Janai Broom away. The matchup with Charles Bediaco and Janai Broom is going to be very interesting to watch. Nados does not always play Bediaco a ton. It really does depend on the matchup. And if he thinks that he's going to have advantage of going with a smaller lineup, a two forward. Uh, two big forwards out there instead of Bediaco, he will. How does Janai Broom match up with Charles Bediaco in this game? I- I'm very intrigued to see this matchup play out. And Jalen Williams, another one. He's going to go up against some really good forwards um, in Noah Clowney and uh, Noah Gurley for Alabama. How he plays against them is going to be crucial on the offensive end. And then guys like Katie Johnson, his ability maybe to get to the basket. Uh, he did that well last year against Alabama. Zepp Jastrom knocking down some shots. Uh, it really, it's going to come down to what Auburn does well. Defense and transition. Bama wants to play in transition. Honestly, Auburn needs to play in transition as well. I didn't think that for a lot of the season, 
but I do now after you saw it last night. Half-court offense struggles, creating turnovers, being able to get rebounds off of the threes from Alabama and being able to go fast and get the numbers in transition. It's going to be big, I think, offensively uh, for Auburn in this game. Overall, though, offensively play clean. Don't turn it over. This has to be an extremely clean game from Auburn if they're going to win it. They cannot lose the turnover battle. They really don't need to lose the rebounding battle. Um, the margin for error is thin. It, it is very thin. It's going to take an outstanding performance uh, in this game to pull off the upset. But if they're going to do it, it's going to come in Neville Arena. Yes, the winning streak broke this season, but this place is still powerful. Uh, there's something different about it. It, it, it. There just is. I expect Auburn to play well. A loss is not detrimental. It, it, it's not. It's going to be frustrating to lose all three and to have lost five out of the last six. Um, but it, as far as NCAA tournament goes, it's not detrimental. You can Auburn can only gain from this. They can't lose from this. They If they win, they get a quad one win that can help their tournament resume, possibly getting, um, give them some more room, mar, uh, bigger margin for error as far as games coming up, and it can help possible with seeding, but they don't have anything to lose here, really. Um, maybe, like I mentioned earlier, maybe it pays off. Maybe these last three tough losses on the road pay off and Auburn finally gets a close win at home. Maybe not. Uh, Bama's, Bama's a better team. They, they are, but Auburn just has to be the better team on Saturday. And, and that's sports, that's, that's life. Be the, be the best team you can be, uh, on this given day and we'll see what happens. It's gonna be a fun matchup. It's gonna be a fun weekend. It's going to be an intense environment. I'll be covering it, so make sure you're following me on social media at Talking Tumors. I'll uh, have live tweeting during the game, and then I will have, of course, article uh, after the game. So we got to wrap this segment up. When we come back, we'll get to our hot topic of the week, which is Kevin Steele returns to Alabama. We'll be back. To our final segment of Talking Tumors here on Weagle 91.1, I do want to mention real quickly, Auburn does play Missouri. Next Tuesday, that'll be before we're back on air a week from today, next Wednesday. Uh, that'll be another home game. It'll be an important game because Auburn pretty much that is one of those must-wins as far as staying in the tournament, uh, needing needing to win the games you're supposed to win, especially if Auburn's unable uh, to beat Alabama. Missouri's a pretty good team, first-year head coach. They have done a great job. Uh, they are a, a very good shooting team at home. They struggle away. Something to keep an eye on is the game Auburn could lose. It's the game Auburn shouldn't lose, though. But that one will be next Tuesday. With that, let's dive into Kevin Steele returning to Alabama. Now, this is an Auburn-based show, but this was a hot topic for a lot of Auburn fans. And really, I, I think a lot of Alabama fans were, you know, scratching their head a little bit at Nick Saban's coordinator hires in general. I'm not going to really talk about the offensive coordinator hire there at Bama. Uh, but I think... And Nick Saban deserves this. Bam fans are going to trust him. Uh, he, he's the greatest of all time. And I, I think if you are, an Abama, are a Bam fan, you should trust it. But I, I agree. This one was a little interesting. I'm a huge fan of Kevin Steele. I, I thought that, and I know a lot of Auburn fans aren't, so I'm, I'll catch some flack for that. I, I thought he was an outstanding defensive coordinator. Uh, I, I, I thought as a person he was a good guy. I know the drama. I do. I know the whole... Uh, coup drama that happened during the Gus Malzahn era. I don't know how much of that was true or not. I do know that that Kevin Steele is who a lot of people in power wanted to become the head coach at, at Auburn. I don't know if he was involved in that 
uh, or that he, if he was working with them in any way, I kind of doubt that. I'm sure he knew that they wanted him to be head coach. He wanted to be head coach. He, he, it didn't happen. Uh, he probably would have been better than Brian Harson. Not probably. He would have been. Uh, he went on to Tennessee, uh, was, was there towards the end. The Pruitt era was interim head coach for a short while, um, at Tennessee. He's been coaching since 1980, I want to say. He's had multiple different stints at Alabama. He was, uh, Nick Saban's original defense coordinator in Alabama in 2007. In 2008, him and Kirby Smart worked together. And then Saban, of course, wanted to move on to Kirby Smart as D.C. Kevin Steele went to Clemson. Uh, then he went back to Alabama in a couple different roles. Then he went to LSU. And then, of course, his stint at Auburn. So I thought this was interesting uh, that Nick Saban was going back in time a little bit with this hire. And I, I really, it, it just, I can't put my finger on it, on why, uh, that he, he went back it went back in time with this. Maybe he truly did think that, that Kevin Steele was the best uh, D.C out there for him but there's a reason that you know he moved on from Kevin Steele and went to Kirby Smart and obviously that was a smart move as defense coordinator at one time so there's some that think this is a short-term plan that this is just uh you know Kevin Steele just a stopgap until uh, Nick Saban gets somebody else a younger and up-and-comer they mentioned the guy from Southern Miss that came and joined Nick Saban's staff that maybe this is just a stopgap until it's time for him uh, to become D.C., but why would Kevin still want to go through this again where he comes in for a year or two and then gets booted out unless he's close to retiring um, all in all from from being a defense coordinator. So I, I really I found that interesting. Uh, I think Kevin Steele, though, will, will, will do well at Alabama. Of course, he's been with Nick Saban, so he's going to understand what Saban wants, and maybe that has to do with it. Maybe the comfortability factor uh, played played a role here that maybe Nick Saban wasn't comfortable with his coaching staff and the way things were, both with on the offensive and defensive side. And so he he he's familiar with Kevin Steele. He knows Kevin Steele is going to do uh, what, Saban, what Saban wants him to do. And it's going to understand the system that Nick Saban wants to run. And, and so be it. But as far as Kevin Steele's kind of legacy goes here at Auburn, that's kind of what I want to talk about. I think it should be a positive one, and I want people to forget the the whole situation here at the end of the Gus Malzahn era and uh, the whole coup and and all that. I want people to think about the defenses that he 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 put out. He was a big reason why Auburn was was able to to win a lot of games. Was able to uh, go to New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, the reason a big reason Marlon Davidson and 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 Derek Brown were were such phenomenal players. I understand they were recruited by. Uh, Will Muschamp. I understand that uh, Rodney Garner played a huge role in that, but Auburn also has had tons of defensive backs go to the NFL that came through during the Kevin Steele era. Auburn has some of their best defenses uh, of the modern era uh, during Kevin Steele's tenure as Auburn's DC. So I understand the complaints. People didn't like some of his his man man coverage that he ran. Uh, some uh, some people thought that he wasn't um, always aggressive enough. As far as pass rushing went, and and I get that, but overall, I think Kevin Steele is, is a good coach. He should have overall a positive legacy here at here at Auburn. Of course, going to Alabama makes that interesting. But he came from, and came from Alabama before he was at Auburn. So, I guess he can claim both. He'll probably claim Alabama though uh, uh, when he uh, retires eventually at some point. 
But for Alabama fans, I think this is it, it's not the hire that they were expecting and the splash hire. But I don't I don't think it's a bad one because I do think Kevin Steele is a is a good head coach. It's just not what Bam fans have become uh, accustomed to uh, for hires, and that goes to office coordinator as well with Tommy Reese. Also, not what Bam fans were. Uh, accustomed to so the theories about Kevin Steele and that hire are, are out there and I mentioned some of them and it, it could be that some of those theories could be true but it could also be that Nick Saban genuinely believes Kevin Steele is, is the the best option for DC and that time really is a flat circle and everything comes back around so so we'll see but I'll I'll close with that I think Kevin I like Kevin Steele I think he'll do well at, at Alabama but certainly still want to beat him every year and hope that his defenses uh, play terribly in, in, in the Iron Bowl especially. And um, But with that, we'll wrap up the show today. I thank you all for, for tuning in to Talking Tumors. It's going to be a big weekend, as I mentioned, here on the Plains. A lot of action will take place before we are finally back here a week from today, and we'll get to talk about that this Alabama game this weekend. We'll get to talk about the Missouri game the following Tuesday and where this basketball team stands a week from now, because it could be they could be in a much different spot uh, a week from now, whether that's in a more negative stance or in a positive one. We'll, we'll certainly see where that is. But again, thank you all for tuning in, whether you're live listening right now or on podcast. Really appreciate it. And we'll be back next Wednesday at 10 o'clock here. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Wednesday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle and see you next time.